Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Joe, thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man, for that scintillating, if not inspirational, introduction. The coach of the Big Dog with you right up until 11 o'clock, talking sports and more, possibly, possibly the final NBA game of the year. Long, long NBA season, but the Miami Heat will try to wrap it up today. We'll talk about that. Not too much, though. Not too much. I'm already all LeBron'd out, but uh, we'll bring it up. We got some baseball talk. We got Euro Cup soccer. I know, big dog. We're trying to get a uh, interview from someone from the Croatia or possibly the Czechoslovakian team. They don't speak English, but we thought the interview would still go anyways, or still go well anyways. Coach of the Big Dog with you right up until eleven o'clock. Phone lines are open at eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Little bit of music, and then we'll introduce our semi esteemed guests. Semi-esteemed, I hope he likes the semi-sweet dark chocolate from Hershey's, and he has been semi-clothed early and often in many of his appearances around the city of Chicago. He's a semi-guy all the way around. The big dog, Joel Radwanski. Dog, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm not really big on the chocolate, though. Oh, not a fan of the semi-sweet dark chocolate? No, I'm not really a chocolate guy. I think we've gone over this over and over again. Okay. All right, so it's not just the semi-sweet, just chocolate in general. Oh, yeah, and, and if I'm going to go any type of way, <laughs> I go all the way. I don't ever eat light. I don't drink light. Don't eat fat-free stuff, sugar-free. No, I go the regular. Just give me regular. How the does that apply that my to grandma the— grandma used to make it. In the world of chocolate, how would that apply, though? Are you saying you like the dark— I would take a piece of chocolate. I wouldn't get semi-sweet chocolate. I wouldn't get semi-tart. Extra blah blah blah. Just give me exactly the type of chocolate that I would, you know, just regular that's, chocolate. That's just the kind of wild and crazy guy you are, huh? Yeah. Well, well why semi sweet? That makes well, no freaking sense. You're eating chocolate. That's a name. I'm going to go, but I'm not going to go all the no, way. No, actually, I'm you're right. For five months. You see, you are not a chocolate guy, so I can understand you having that impression. But actually, for those of us in the chocolate world, the semi sweet is actually going. Pretty heavy into the dark chocolate. So I, the name is incorrect. It's actually sweet, and it's much darker chocolate than the weak milk toasty uh, milk chocolate of many other candy bars. Thank you very That's, much. That they just inject a bunch of sugar in. Yes. Right? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. No, no, I'm a big fan of the dark chocolate. Just like coffee, big, big dog. The darker they get, the darker it gets, the better it tastes to me. Thank you very no, much. I, I agree with you there about the coffee. And I yeah. will admit this, Coach. I have had more of a hankering for chocolate in my recent years than I ever have. Uh-oh. I, I'm, I'm starting to be drawn to the chocolate, is what I'm saying to you. That's a problem, especially no, when no, you no. got a, a, a hankering for it. That can be a tro- that can be problematic. Well, I wouldn't actually call it a hankering, but I've never really <laughs> ever craved chocolate until, I wouldn't call it a craving either, but I've kind of been like, yeah, yeah, that chocolate thing looks actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I've never been like that in my life. I've always chosen peanut butter or vanilla over All right. chocolate. All right. 
Now that we've got that nonsensical information out of the way, I have to apologize to you because I was going to uh, make the game yesterday, the game we're talking about, of course, the Cubs-Sox game, arguably the biggest game in Chicago sports since, oh, maybe Tuesday, June 19th. Uh, I did not make it. I, I can blame California Gene, long-time, long-time friend who came in town, and uh, one beer led to a second, and that was the end of that. But um, I'm assuming you and Lily the Lilac did make the appearance at the game. Oh yeah, we walked to the ball game. Nice. I, I always, always walk to the game when you when you live where Lily the Lilac lives. So uh, how far of a walk? It's about a mile walk. Ah, please, not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. It's right through Bridgeport, so it's it, a piece it's of cake. People, I, I, people out on the on the sidewalks drinking all up and down the, the street. It was really good. Got a bunch of Cubs stuck, mm-hmm. waving their hands to everybody. It was it was an awful nice walk. Now walking back, was there any danger factor? Uh, no, not at all. I got to tell you that may have been the most subdued Cub White Sox game at U.S. Cellular Park in history. I am not kidding you. The, the White Sox won. Everybody shrugged their shoulders, and we walked out of the ballpark. It was, it was not the typical intensity. And I tried mm-hmm. to explain that to Lily, and 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 I'm like, I really don't know what's up. But think about this: they only sold thirty thousand of the uh, of yep. the forty two thousand available tickets. And I found out why, Coach, when I got there. Jerry Reinsdorf's a a freaking punk. Is all I have to say about Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> Take it easy. Do you know how uh, much what? my tickets were yesterday in the outfield? How much? $89 a piece. What? For outfield. At the... Outfield bleacher ticket at USA. Come on. At the window? $89 effing dollars. At the window? Went to the window. And Uh, I said, give me two outfield seats. And the guy says, $178. You've got to be kidding. Come on. And there's like 25 people. Why would I make this up? That can't be right. I can't make it up. Can't be right. right. I'm the one who paid for the freaking ticket. I'm telling you, big dog, something is something hath gone askew. Yeah, Jerry Reinsdorf decided to <laughs> screw everybody that wants to go to the Cub White Sox game. Ah, so and you I are. Talked to, I talked to the season ticket holder there, and the season ticket holder was like, "You think you're mad?" He's like, "Every other seat of the year costs blankety blank," and he's like, "Then I got to pay shell out an extra sixty nine dollars for these seats." He Can was livid. The White Sox fans were livid about it, and they were like, "F Reinsdorf." Every fan, awesome. every fan awesome. should be livid about it. David, is that even allowed? I thought MLB you had to have one set ticket price. I didn't know you could change the ticket prices. Well, the Cubs, the Cubs do it too. The Cubs do it too. The Cubs have regular date, something something date, and premium date. Yep. And the, here's the, the difference in price: is this the seventy five dollar premium ticket. On like on a non-premium day is sixty-five, and then on a regular day, which is only like ten a year, ten out of the eighty-one, mm-hmm. they're like fifty-five. Okay, they go up twenty bucks when they play the White Sox, when they play the Cardinals, when they play the Yankees, when they play the Brewers. We all, we all, I understand that it's twenty dollars. It's like three times the price for a Cub game at U.S. Cellular Field. Yeah, it's three times the price, Coach. That's ridiculous. I mean, that that really is. That is completely ridiculous. Eighty nine bucks for an outfield, outfield seat. Outfield. I have the ticket. I'll be more than happy. It's that. It's that really I'll take a picture and send it in. Effing unreal. It's unbelievable. And even like I told her, I was like, you know what? I was like, I should have said cheapest available. The cheapest available in the whole entire park. The whole entire park yesterday 
I think it was $65, I was told by somebody. Wow. That was the cheapest thing. So I was like, you know what, at any point, pay an extra 24 for at least being in the outfield as opposed to up in the nosebleed section. You know I mean? In there, that's ridiculous. You know, I'm going to tell you something. That park is a really good park. It's easy to get in and out of. When I hear people bash it, I just laugh at them. The food is phenomenal. I got the, the, the combination Italian sausage, Italian beef. Oof. With hot peppers and marinara wow. on it, the woman wow. forgot to put the cheese. But thank God, I can barely get my mind around it, <laughs> let alone my mouth. Really, a lot like ate the first half with a, a fork and a knife. I ate the second half with my left hand and my right hand. So just let you know. <laughs> I gotta say, in the world of eating a, Italian beef and Italian sausage, I'm I'm, I'm all with you. Fork oh, and a knife. Goodness, was, you, was, you gotta slather it on with all the yucky stuff too. David Olson, you had a uh, a comment on the. White Sox uh, price ticketing? Ticket no, no, no. I, I was just about to like reiterate points that Joel made as he was going along with okay. the with the tiered ticket prices and the cheapest seats being all the way up in the nosebleeds and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's it's, it's yeah, crazy. I mean, you know, tiered ticket prices are okay, I suppose, but when the tiered ticket price means eighty nine dollars for one ticket in An the outfield. outfield, that's completely ridiculous. We know lawyers, but we have lawyers that listen to this show. Not good ones, big dog, but we do have lawyers. Some of them are out of work. Some of them are like paralegal, but we we can, uh, you know, if you want to be there to represent the fans, I'll hook you up with one of our unskilled lawyers, and we could take this possibly and, and make it public and, and at yeah. least, very least embarrass Mr. Reinsdorf. And, and, and uh, you know what, no, if that's what he wants, if he wants 30000 up to 42000 available seats for a Cup White Sox game, let him have that, Coach. He, that's his business. Let him run it. But my point is I'm not going there for a long time. I was planning. I know the, cheap, the tickets will be cheap for the rest of the year, but I only have so much money to spend on baseball games this year, and he's not getting another one of my pennies the rest of this freaking wow. season. And like I said, I can walk to those games. And you know how I am, Coach. I am the Cub fan that loves baseball, and if somebody is in town that I want to see, I will go to U.S. Smellula Field and I'll watch a game. I, I don't have that much hate in my heart that I can't go. I'm not going the rest of the year. Okay, and, and, think, and think about this. Think about a season ticket holder. Pays $20 a ticket all year long, and then he, they're going to charge him an extra $69 for three games. What if a guy's been a season ticket holder for, like, 15, 20 years? All of a sudden, he has a really, really bad, bad year, and it's difficult for him to even pay for the for the $3,200 that it would cost this guy to have $20 tickets mm-hmm. for two seats. And all of a sudden, he's got to shell out 69 extra for two seats each game. You know, that's $140. That's $420 extra dollars a regular season ticket holder would have to shell out for those three games if he has two seats. $420 right. is a lot of money, even for somebody who's spending 3200 because who knows what type of year they had. It's not right. The way to give an F you to their season ticket holders <laughs> is ridiculous. I don't, he wants to charge me 89 bucks because I'm a Cub fan? I'll have to deal with it, okay, because I was going there to watch our team sweep their team. Mm-hmm. But to do that to their season ticket holders is a freaking joke. Reinsdorf should be embarrassed. Embarrassed. I, I got a feeling, David Olson, we're going to see like a headline on Saturday or Sunday's paper. Uh, unofficial Cub mascot this year, man, caught urinating on Reinsdorf lawn. You know, hopefully no pictures to go along with that, but I got a feeling there might be a picture oh, he's like already, that. He's already treated me like crap before in person. Yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf yeah, you and, is a piece of crap. You okay. and him got something going on. By the way, during the game, they did show up in the booth, Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf. They had the uh, camera on him for maybe.
maybe a good 45 seconds. It was interesting to watch the two of them, and you could tell Kenny Williams like wanted to get Reinsdorf out of there. Stop looking over my shoulder, but Reinsdorf was making some comments. And I will say this, it is a slim down. A slim down, Jerry Reinsdorf. The face looks a little thinner. Man looks a little svelter. I don't know if it's uh, any kind of surgery or better diet, but uh, Mr. Reinsdorf looking pretty good. Maybe when you charge $89 for outfield sets, you tend to look pretty good. Yeah, it's the guilt that gets to you. You yeah. can't eat. Yeah. Well, you know, again, we we have people here, Big Dog. If you want to pursue it via the legal variety, you know, someone's got to do it. Someone has to represent the fan. What better than you? What better person than you? I see Joe Pesci from Vinny's cousin this, this representing. Isn't legal, this isn't a legal matter, Coach. It could be, This though. is the White Sox season ticket holder fan base should show up next year during the state of the White Sox meeting and be like, what the hell are you doing us? Why? If we have season tickets, you shouldn't have charge three dates where you charge three times the amount of price for it. We, we're in it for the whole entire season. If you want to gouge people, gouge the ones that show up once a season, not that go buy 81 That's of your tickets point. every single season. Yep. It's, it's really disappointing, Coach, to, to treat season ticket holders that way. That's a good point. I got uh, tickets for the Chicago Sky next week for about 10 bucks, Big Doug, if you're interested. Yeah, can you imagine the, can you imagine the Sky uh, charging you like uh, premium <laughs> ticket prices? Hey, we're going to charge you 20 bucks for this game because yeah. – uh, uh, Cheryl Sluice is making a return for the yeah. Houston Comets yeah. just for one game. Not going to happen. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, and I was if, if I was going to go to the game, I was planning on going to the window and at least inquiring. You know, starting off at the top, give me best seats available. I don't know what was available. I was going to go best seats available based on what you said. They had been you know, at least fifteen hundred dollars. they would have. I would have been flat on the ground. You know, clear paramedic, clear one, mm-hmm. two, three. Clear. It's like, wow. How much? Uh, at, the, at the window, how much would they have been best seats available? Uh, I, I have no idea. Because they, they probably would have been those awesome seats right behind home plate that are normally 250 a game. Yep. So I'm assuming they'd be triple the price, which would be 750 bucks. So wow. if you're taking you and your son, yeah. you'd have been dropping $1,500 at least. And, Coach, this is no joke because the, the, guy, the guy that was in front of me, said he was with his wife and like his wife's friends said to me that there's a guy that is sitting that he knows that is sitting in $350 seat and he pointed to me where he was and he was like inside the infield mm-hmm. but he was not like behind home plate and he was like 30 rows back and he paid $350 for wow. his seat it was face value wow by the way I would not after I watched uh, almost the entire game yesterday did some fast forwarding through strategic points had it on tape but I did watch the game first baseball game really all year, Big Dog, practically, that I've watched from start to finish. But I would not want to be in those seats directly behind home plate because you're on camera. A significant part of the time in the camera guy yesterday for WGN, he was, you know, doing some close-up shots. Some of them semi-embarrassing of some of the fans right back there. But you can't pick your nose. You can't scratch your You can't do anything because or maybe you can, but you have to realize that you're on TV at any moment in time. I don't. I'd be too self-conscious to sit in those seats. I, I, I guess I was in the sitting in the seat one time at Wrigley Field, and I was right, like right in view of every single right-handed batter. Yeah. And I knew this, and I, and I started getting text messages, and I act like I did. Uh, coach, I did some of the most whacked out stuff. Some of the most whacked out stuff you could ever imagine. 
My buddy Sonny was like, I knew you were doing that because you knew you were. <laughs> <laughs> but you were not, you were not that guy. You know what I mean by that guy? Oh no, I wasn't standing up drawing oh. attention. I was doing real subtle stuff. God. Real, real subtle stuff. That guy or that girl, we all know who it is. You talk about annoying. You know, the... Yes, I refused to even pick up my phone. Yes. And, you know what I mean? Because I didn't want to yeah. be the person who yeah. is behind home plate. Hey, yeah. look at me. I'm yeah. on camera. Oh, brother. <laughs> Brutal. Absolutely brutal. By the way, the final score of the game, White Sox 7, Cubs 0, ends the uh, year of the Cubs-Sox rivalry. Sox win 4 out of 6. Cubs do take the series. Like you said, it was not a momentous game yesterday, Big Dog, but uh, Gordon Beckham did have kind of an, I would call it a awkward three-run homer. That was the big blow of the game. And then Gavin Floyd under pressure because another bad outing by Gavin and the ball that was rolling downhill for him would have gathered some gathered uh, a little bit of momentum, if you know what I mean. But that was a big performance by him. And Beckham's home run is awkward, somewhat of a description for it. Why would you call it awkward, Coach? Well, I'm trying to think. It it it, it was not your typical jacked-out-of-the-park homer. It kind of had a slice to it. It went yeah. opposite field. It had no yeah. loft. It was kind of a line drive, opposite field, and just kind of found a way to get over. I, I don't know. It was, just, it was a weird homer, but it was a big one. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I was like, yeah, it was a line drive off the field. It was pretty close to where I was. And it, yeah, it barely made the fence. I wasn't really sure. I thought she meant like, he didn't run around the base and no, he wasn't no, no, sure no. So it was a homer. No, no, just the hit itself. Now, by the way, did you have any complaints about the Cub outfielding last night? Um, they're always bad. I mean, but like, why there was a couple balls that dropped in front of Tony Campana that I don't think should have dropped yes, in front of Tony Campana. Uh, Tony Campana and Reed, Reed Johnson. Oh well Reed Johnson's always bad. That the one ball that landed in the triangle, all Reed Johnson has to do is and I let Reed Johnson know. I seriously coach. <laughs> I let Reed Johnson know about that. And You're I, talking and about the, the is that the one Darwin Barney dived for? Yes. Why wasn't Reed Johnson catching that ball? That was I got. I got to be honest with you. That was the second of my Reed Johnson complaints. But there, there was a ball earlier that dropped in front of him towards the right field. He ran all the way there and just let the sucker drop. Dive, make yeah, it a temp for it. I, I, I let Reed Johnson have it a couple times in yesterday's what, game. What did you say? Uh, one of us said the only thing great, the only thing good about you, Reed Johnson, is you got a great porn name. <laughs> Everybody in this section seemed to like that particular taunt of Reed Johnson. Ah, goodness. What happened to Reed Johnson? Because a couple of years ago, two, three, four years ago, as a fifth outfielder, I really liked the dude. He was a, a good fielder. He would dive for balls, and he was an effective hitter again. Not an everyday starter, but uh, he played with an edge. And now, uh, eh. He's still a good pitch hitter, Coach. He is? No matter what, all of us Cubs fans, I am sick of Reed Johnson. He should not be starting. I totally agree with you. For years, he has been awesome pinch hitting. And again, this year, he's been really good pinch hitting for the Cubs okay. somehow. I don't know how he does this, but you're mm-hmm. right. I, I, I'm with you. He should be there. He should not be on the roster because they already have a fifth out. They have two fifth outfielders starting on their team. Tony mm-hmm. Campana and Reed Johnson. Okay. That's, I can't really explain it more than that, Coach. I, I don't want him on the roster either. Ah, baseball fans, Sox fans, Cubs fans, you want to talk to the big dog? He was there up close and personal. If you read Johnson, the right fielder uh, was a little bit too personal, apparently. 888-463-6748, 888-463-6748.
48, a couple of people texting in. They want to know more about, they don't care about the game, but they want to know more about the combo. Italian sausage and Italian beef in the same sandwich? Well, you've had a you've had a you've had the combo before, right? Eh, possibly not. It's like a staple of every Italian beef place. It is. Yeah. What the and hell, Coach? Seriously, you've never had. <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole world out there that you need to start experiencing. I've, I've uh, had the Italian sausage. I've had the Italian beef. I don't know that I've I've ever done the combo. You, you do it. You do it a combination together. You have it dipped. Okay. Okay. Pour some marinara and some cheese over it, and then Ooh. and some hot pepper. Wow. Okay, and then you just realize hot. that. Hot pepper or green pepper? Well, well, whatever you want to do, I put the hot pepper, the jardinier on there, and uh, wow, and then I, I I go at it, coach, and I just know it's going to be a mess. <laughs> I go at it. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. I like it's the way you. It's going to be everywhere. Yeah. And, and yesterday, uh, I I just remember something. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. I came home, and I didn't forget anything. I went through a whole entire day and didn't forget or lose anything, coach. Which has been the first time in months that that has happened. And when I had nothing else on my mind, well, I have actually a huge thing on my mind. I'm trying to short sell my house. If anybody's out there that wants to get a freaking great deal on a house, please. Uh, but, uh, see, I totally forgot what I'm talking about. But on the way home, I just realized, yes, I didn't lose anything, but I ate a, a Italian beef combo and oh. a combo sausage, and now I have a massive red stain, a massive one on my TKNY shirt, which is now done. I'll never use it again, so... I guess I did have a loss yesterday, Coach. I Ouch. can't make it throughout the day without having some type of casualty. Yeah. Of, of all different types of stuff. Yeah. Um, At least you're heading in the right direction. You know, loss of a T-shirt, much better than loss of an expensive cell phone, which was the case the uh, the day before. And I, lo- I love the way you describe your, your battle with the sandwich. It sounds like, uh, you know, Sh- Sugar Ray Leonard taking on uh, Roberto Duran or something. And then I went after it. You know, you know that eventually... The bread's going to get so soggy yep. yet delicious that yep. it's going to be breaking apart, and you're basically instead of like holding the sandwich, you're going to yep. be holding like a mess in your hand. Yep. But the whole point is that's what's going to happen. You don't know when it is, what it is. So just accept it and just get into the deliciousness that is a Italian beef and, mm-hmm. and make sure combo. you got no, nothing more frustrating than to eat something like that and then have those what I would call you know the tearaway football jerseys, the tearaway napkin to go along with it. You know what's funny is Lily the Lilac grabbed one napkin. Oh. See, her family, her family runs the New Tea Garden restaurant. They own the New Tea Garden restaurant on Michigan Avenue. Very nice. Okay? And they they give one napkin to people. And I, and I, I literally pull out like 15, okay? <laughs> and, all I, and then she's like, I'm like, you, you're going to need more napkins. And she's like, I only need one. And I got like 15 more, okay, and I stuffed them in my pocket. Let's just say I was, I, I put the, the napkins in the special part of the pocket, you know yeah. what I'm saying, Coach? Yep. And she really needed them. I said, my hands are too messy to go grab them. <laughs> I, she ran out of that one napkin early and often, Coach. Ah. There was a lot of grabbing around yeah. the napkin area. Yeah. That's an old Good. trick, big dog. That's an old trick. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. but hey. Sometimes you got to revert back to the old trick. Desperate times. No, no doubt. Call for desperate measure. I'm going to make a wild guess and say the new tea garden does not serve the Italian sausage, Italian beef combo. No, you you can literally eat at the the new tea garden and get away with one napkin. Wow. You can because you know you whether you go chopsticks or whether you go fork, 
you can get away with one napkin. Yeah, there's no possible way anything less than 15 napkins will do for me at a Italian. It, I'm, I was a freaking mess yesterday, Coach. Yep. I'm like, I'm out in public with red sauce all over my face and grease running down my shirt, oh. and I didn't even care. But you are yeah, a happy man. Half a bottle of Bushmills will do that to you. You are so. a happy man. Now you got me hungry and the rest of our listeners, too. Uh, and remember, we are America's number one breakfast show, folks. As long as you're not eating breakfast. (laughs) Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. The phone number, 888-463-6748. Before we talk about NBA basketball, I am all LeBron'd out, so uh, don't expect 30 minutes of analyzing and overanalyzing LeBron James, but we'll bring up the uh, NBA championship games for sure. Real quick on the baseball front, Big Dog, besides the uh, scintillating White Sox victory over the Cubs 7-0, we did have Cleveland knock off Cincinnati. So the Indians are back in first place now by a game and a half, and they swept Cincy. You remember Cincy was starting to get on a roll? Yes. Well, that roll hath ended three consecutive wins, a sweep for the arch-rival Cleveland Indian, the hero again, as Dribble Cabrera. He's been really, really hot the last like week or two. He started off this season slow, and I was wondering if last season was a fluke. Yep. No fluke, Coach. That kid can flat out swing it. What was it? Two, not yesterday, but the night before they got behind. They were down two to one in the tenth. And Cabrera, uh-huh. I think, got either a two-run base hit or two-run homer. So uh, two, it was a two-run home run yeah. off of Aldoldis Chapman. Aldoldis Chapman, or whatever the heck his first name is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's it, Aldoldis. That sounds right. Texas knocked off uh, San Diego 4-2. to two. The Texas Rangers, two times in the World Series. They haven't gotten to the pinnacle yet. They'll try to do it again right now. Uh, maybe the best overall team in baseball. Six consecutive wins, big dog. And uh, Hugh Darvish, we haven't talked a lot of Hugh Darvish lately. Won his ninth game of the season yesterday. He's, I don't know if he's been as good as advertised, but uh, he's he's lived up to the billing, shall we say. He's been better than advertised. I mean, uh, Coach, he's been dominant. Let's just face it. He goes out there and, and gives the Rangers seven innings every time. He holds the team to under two almost every game. He's been really, really good for the Rangers, and they have themselves a number one finally. Could be. Is that make them? Well, that's a stupid question. Prohibitive favorite. No, 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 it's, too well, are, it's too early to talk World Series. Well, they are the favorite. Yeah. Get to the World Series for the American League. I really do believe that. I do too, but it's a five-game series. Anything can happen. They got to get there first. But uh, they're playing awfully good baseball. Atlanta knocked off the Yankees ten to five. People would have thought maybe a couple of days ago the Yankees might be the prohibitive favorite, but they've slipped back a little bit. Two straight for Atlanta. The Bravos win the series, and similar to Osdrubal Cabrera, young Jason Hayward, big dog who uh, has had you know a little bit of an up and down curve, but he's getting awfully hot too. Home runs yesterday for the big, strong, strapping Jason Hayward. Oh, no, that means I'm getting killed in fantasy baseball. The Jason Say Hayward is what they're calling him right now, the Say Hayward kid. That's a little, that's a little too early, okay, for uh, give, comparing him to uh, Willie Mays, Coach. Yeah, you think? Yeah. You think? But I like that, the Say Hayward kid. Mm-hmm. That's putting. It sounds good. It's putting a little bit of pressure on the young man, too. Uh, he can handle the pressure, Coach. All right, well, he handled it yesterday. A couple of home runs. Uh, Boston, 15, Miami 5. What a roller coaster season it's been for the Boston Red Sox. Bobby Valentine and company, their Red Sox fans, uh, you know, they'll be ready for the psychologist's office 
at the uh, midseason All-Star break. Big Poppy, David Ortiz, who's caught fire a little bit the last month. A grand slam home run, 15-5, to and the Red Sox on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again. Season is on again, Big Dog. They've won four in a row. Oh, I love me some Big Pappy, Coach. I love Big Pappy. Wonder, did he happen to did he happen to hit the home run early in the game, like around six thirty or so? Not sure. Because for some reason, at around six thirty on the way right of my bike home, I started screaming, "Oh, Big Pappy! I did not know you can do it like that." <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess and say no, but who knows? Okay. Who knows? I thought you were going to say maybe you, you know you're riding your bicycle and you felt the ground move. And it might have been all the way from Boston, Big Poppy running around the bases. The man's a large man. He is a very large man, Coach. He, yep. he is a Babe Ruth body. Yep. You know, skinny legs and a big yep. barrel chest and gut. If we were drafting top melons in sports, just the biggest heads, is he could be possibly the first overall draft choice. And Dominican Sue has, has got to have the largest head known to man, Coach. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to compare them. Okay, that's. Uh, I do know one thing: if they run into each other, uh, and Dominican Sue's going to win. Yeah, one plays football, one plays baseball. Not a fair comparison. New York Mets knock off the Orioles four to three sweep for the New York Mets. They're back in at that uh, somewhat topsy turvy National League East big goal. The New York Mets. Uh, what are they? Half game, game behind the Washington Nationals now. So a nice sweep for the New York Mets. Yeah, and the the Orioles. I mean, seriously, they're really, really up and down. They look like they were great, then they were bad, then they look like, oh, they're actually a good team again, and they get mm-hmm. swept by the Mets, so we'll see. But they're hanging. We'll see how long they can hang. It would be a great story if they can. They had the hot start, and then everybody kind of expected them to come back to the pack. They lose a couple of games, then they win. You know, then they lose a couple. Everybody thinks oh, it's going to be the same old Orioles, but then they win again. So, so far... They've been hanging, but it's kind of like the guy with the death grip on the uh, the building. You know, they're hanging, but you almost feel that grip slip, slip, sliding away, especially in the American League East where they play. Yeah, and especially now that uh, the Yankees have been on a roll lately. Yep. Yeah, they've been really, really hitting the ball. And they I don't know if they won yesterday, Coach, but they had won 10 of their previous 11. Mm-hmm. Washington Nationals, uh, well, Baltimore lost to the Mets. If that's uh-huh. who we're talking about. But uh, the Nationals won their game over Tampa Bay 3-2. to two. They take two out of three there. Steven Strasburg, who has uh, recuperated extremely well from that injury last year. He's pitching awfully good. Another victory for him. I think he had ten strikeouts in seven innings. And the Nationals have been in a little mini slump, so they needed that victory. Still in first place, Big Dog. With all the injuries they've had, the Washington Nationals still your first place team. It really is amazing how many people have been injured on that team, and it's like their third and fourth hitter, their catcher, and their closer. That's really important, those particular, those spots in your lineup, your catcher and your closer, and they're still, and there's a couple other injuries too, Coach, and they're still in first place. That team, you know, I, I predicted the win. I didn't know they were going to be this good. Yep. That organization's in good hands right now, Coach. I think manager Davey Johnson actually pulled a groin muscle a couple of days ago, so it's everybody. How old is Davey Johnson? He's been around for a while. He's in his seventies. Uh, don't forget, he was he was on like the '66 Orioles. You know right. what I mean? Who won the World yeah. Series? He's been around a long time. Coach. I remember following him. Got the baseball card of a Davey Johnson. Yeah, he's 
he was on a couple World Series winners, wasn't he? Yeah, got him in his you know his nice fielding position. I remember a couple of young Davy jo- and then they came out with the Davy Johnson baseball card, like the uh, the full faced one, and you could actually see the pot marks in Davy Johnson's face. It ruined the whole image. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, and and also the fact he looks a little bit like a beaver. <laughs> Just a little. Just a little. All right, a little baseball round them up and wrap them up, courtesy of the dog and the coach. We try to do it each and every day here in the Two Guys and a Mike show with an emphasis on try. We don't always get to it. 888-463-6748. Fold lines open. Dial it up. Your opportunity to talk to one of America's, one of Chicago's great sports authorities, Joel, the big dog, Radwanski. Big dog, let's move over to the uh, NBA. We have a game tonight that could be. And I know it wouldn't disappoint you if it is the final game, but it could be the final game of the NBA season. The Miami Heat up three to one. They know if they lose, they got to go back to Oak City, pressure-wise. Who's got more pressure tonight? Psychological. Uh, Oklahoma City. For some reason, I woke up this morning and I realized that, like, if you're LeBron, you woke up too, and you're like, "Wow, this is the day I've been waiting my whole entire life for." I have three wins in the NBA Finals, and then go close the team out. I, I, the, the Heat are going to win tonight, Coach. And uh, people are going to eventually relent on just bashing LeBron James. And, and I bashed him, too, and I've had a lot of fun watching him miss free throws in clutch situations over the years, blah, blah, blah. But it, it finally comes to, to an end, and he trusts himself. And he and I know he wasn't on the court during the last minute or two of that game, but, you know, like, I don't think he's ever had to defend Kevin Durant and – I don't think he's ever had to play as hard as he did in game four. Mm-hmm. And it eventually caught up to him. I think he'll be all right this game and the, the Heat will close them out. And then, uh, yeah. and hopefully the Miami Heat and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James don't become too big of a pain in the ass. And, and as soon as somebody compares LeBron James to Magic Johnson, I'm going to slap them. Okay. And don't even start with Michael Jordan after he wins this championship, people. Don't, yeah. you can't compare him to Magic. Let alone Michael. Okay, so let's let's yeah. let's let it simmer and enjoy the fact that LeBron James finally got over the hump and he won a championship in in a, in a strike shortened season. Yeah, I'm going to take issue with you. I think there you can at least make the comparison, but more importantly, um, well, now I'll get to that point in a second. But first, well, point A, I'm not as convinced as you are that the Miami Heat are going to wrap it up. I got a feeling Oklahoma City might win. I think the Miami Heat might win it. But they might have to do it in Oklahoma City. At least I'm not as convinced as you. Comment two, and I kind of alluded to the beginning of the show. Big are people, and I know not you, but an awful lot of people spending way too much time, mental, physical energy, verbiage, whatever the time might include, worrying and hating and talking about LeBron James. I'm all LeBroned out. I mean, I understand he's a superstar. I know, I, know, I am too. I, I, that's. It's like the Tebow story. You just can't watch ESPN, coach. You got to find your sports news from like NBC or other or other venues. But it's because, not it's not just ESPN. People are, people are talking about it, even in regular conversation. It's all about LeBron. It's like you know, worry about something else. No, but see what happens is, is if you ninety five percent of all people get all their sports news from ESPN, and so if they're getting their sports news from ESPN, they're bombarded with LeBron James, and they don't even realize because sports is a minor part of their entertainment life that mm-hmm. they've been bombarded by LeBron James stuff and they need to wake up and realize there's more in the world. Uh, for years I was bombarded with ESPN and didn't realize how much it was affecting my sports love and which teams I liked and all this. And 
just over like the last year, I've really woken up out of this ESPN spell. That's seriously, coach. You can put on NBC Sports Talk, and they will give you LeBron James, and it'll be over with. They don't have Skip Bayless and and Stephen A. Smith talk about it for ten minutes, and then go to another sport for five seconds and come back and have Tim <laughs> Blakeler and uh, uh, Rich Bream talk about it for another ten minutes, and then they have Hannah Storm do a special one about LeBron James winning his first championship. That's why, coach. And then everybody they walk away, and all they think about is sports. Is oh yeah. In, in their entertainment sports part of the day that they got, they, all they think about is LeBron James, so they bring it up. That, that's, they are so, they're driving sports everywhere. So if you want to know why everybody's talking about LeBron James, that's why, Coach. Mm-hmm. It's a good and, point. And, good point. Way too much influence for one particular uh, television media outlet. Yeah, people need to start looking elsewhere yes. for their for their sports yeah. uh, media. For instance, the two guys in a mic show on the TalkSign.com. That, that's, that's what I'm talking about. There was, you know, it's funny about like people that think (laughs) they know more than we do about sports. Sports is not brain science. You know, it's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. It's it's not splitting the atom. It's not that difficult. Like I remember when I was on Twitter, as the most intelligent and cool things I would hear about the Cubs or funny things were written by the average Joe fan. If you go on Twitter, coach, watch the really good things that you'll read, and you'll be like, wow, that's that Johnny Donuts from whoever his name is, you know what I mean? And there was a night earlier this year where the Chicago Cubs had social media night. And and I don't want to bash Bruce Miles because Bruce Miles returns all your tweets. He's an awesome dude. But he bashed social media night along with all the other, the punks like Paul Sullivan and all these other writers bashing social media. And I wrote every single one of them with like the hashtag and, and I was like, why are you afraid of social media? Is it because that the average fan can actually report on uh, a sport like baseball because it's not that difficult? Good and I, point. Uh, only one person responded to me. It was Bruce Miles, who always responded in the first part. And he's like, I'll quit bashing social media. And he quit immediately. Mm-hmm. He realized he looked like a, a jackass in front of like, Who the hell is Paul Sullivan? He's sitting there bashing social media night. Well, Paul Sullivan, you write about baseball. It's not that freaking difficult. I know you couldn't play the game because you're only four foot eleven. I'm not going to rip you for being short. It's just, it's just funny. He thinks he's he knows so much more about the game than everybody else. No, you you kissed the right butt when you were when you were younger and you got in with the Cubs and you're never going to give that job up. Mm-hmm. Okay, does does Paul Sullivan give us anything as a Cub beat reporter? It's ridiculous. So that's why when these people, when they, when, no, honestly, coach, when I when I read a lot of these guys, I really don't think they work that hard. They they go into the club, they make sure they don't piss off any of the right players, okay, and they they're left their buddy, and all year long they follow the team, and they go from city to city and buy hookers. I mean, that's basically what these guys do, okay. <laughs> and they all live happily ever after. Yeah, huh? I mean, how? What, what's, uh, I want to hear real yeah. stories. I, I love when the guys when the players leave town, then they're like, hey. You should have saw what a horrible influence it was in the locker room. Well, uh, if I remember, you were the beat writer the whole eight years standing socialist here. Why didn't you call him out when he was in town? That's a, who the hell was it? That's when Paul Sullivan did that. As soon as Sammy Sosa left, he started bashing Sammy Sosa. So when Sammy Sosa was in town, was a Chicago Cub, Paul Sullivan was right next to him in his locker. Hey, Sammy, give me a story. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. those guys, for the, anybody like that who bashes social media, 
they're just afraid that the golden egg that they have is going to be exposed for what it is. I mean, it's, they're baseball reporters. I mean, it's, it's not that difficult. That's uh, David Olson carked that last four-minute soliloquy up by the big dog Joe Radwanski because I think you're right on from top to uh, from top to bottom, and it's something I quite frankly hadn't really thought of. The aspect of the regular writers trying to slow down or or dis uh, discredit. The social uh-huh. media, because yeah, it protects their job. The more so, the more people can blog and write and Twitter. People start to realize that these writers aren't as brilliant. In fact, a lot less smart than than, than people realize. You know, if they're the only ones writing, you tend to make them a little more grandiose than they are. That was solid, big dog. Have you have you like uh, sports by George? We've had George Darko on. Are you trying to tell me that what he writes is any less of any caliber than what Paul Sullivan gets? I mean, I read both. To be quite honest with you, Paul Sullivan isn't as good a writer as, as George Darko. Mm-hmm. So it, it is just, I just crack up about this stuff. And again, and, and Paul Sullivan is like the consummate expert on the Chicago Cubs. He, it's just bothered me the way he reacted to the social media stuff. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I just instead of him, and he was always like the to me like the guy that is like just happy to be at the party, so he just doesn't do anything wrong, so he can stay at the party. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that guy. Yeah, you know, he doesn't act up, doesn't tell a joke, doesn't do anything, just shh, just don't let anybody know I'm here, and I'll be able to stay here and ha- enjoy the time. Interesting. And then that re- the last, those comments, just like now I'm just like, I, he, I, he's like on my wall of uh, the sports writers that I'm sick of here in the city of Chicago. Interesting. Interesting. Those words, David Olson, need to be heard by more than just uh, the vast two guys in a mic listening audience. Well spoken, my friend, well spoken. The only... uh thing i got to go back on, and I don't want to spend a ton of time with it, even though I could be lighting a match here, is, you know, you said LeBron James, don't even think about mentioning him in the same, you know, breath as Michael Jordan. Well, the guy's six feet, eight inches tall, bigger than Jordan. He's probably almost as explosive as Michael Jordan. He's a better passer. I mean, I know we're comparing with phenomenal with phenomenal, but I think when we talk the great players of all time, you know, you, Michael Jordan in his prime, if if he's better than LeBron James in his prime, not by much, not by much. So I do think LeBron needs to be in that conversation. Uh, Michael Jordan was a, a better finisher, a better defender. Yeah, but better Michael defender. Jordan but shot fifty percent from the field as a guard. What, what does LeBron That's, shoot? Uh, about forty-five percent as a bad. forward. Well, no, no, this year, no, no. I will tell you this: this year. LeBron James had his greatest shooting year yeah. ever. Yeah. It was over 50%. He definitely yeah. shot over 50% this season. And he played, played a lot of point forward. So he showed his versatility there. Very good passer. And he's, you're right, Jordan was an outstanding defender, but LeBron James, pretty good defender. So yeah, the, ask, ask Kevin Durant. Serge Ibaka should just shut up. I, I just, uh, Kevin Durant has to cash the check that Serge Ibaka decided to write when he said that LeBron James could couldn't defend Kevin Durant. Now, yep. Kevin Durant's like, what? Serge, shut up. I'm wearing LeBron James. And LeBron James' defense, uh, I, I'm going to admit, I've only watched one game in the finals. That was game four. But LeBron James' defense that day was spectacular against Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. 888-463-6748. You got thoughts on uh, the big dog's uh, shot at the Media, uh, Mr. Paul Sullivan in particular, the Heat, Oklahoma City, uh, 
potential final game tonight. We'll see if it can return to Oklahoma City. Right now, heat up 3-1. to one. we got other things happening today, Big Doe. The Euro Cup starts the knockout round, and I know you've uh, made a little of analysis of it. We only have a couple of minutes to talk about it, but uh, the keys to Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic, taking on Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo. They're going to have to score more goals than them. I'm, I'm certain of this. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. And uh, they cannot be distracted by Ronaldo's beauty, Coach. <laughs> how about how about the Portugal team being distracted by the Czech Republic team, which has gone with the uh, – they've copied the hockey players because they've gone with the Stanley Cup beards. Uh, not a bad look, Coach, but it's hot in Poland this time of year. Yep. I don't think it's a really good idea to have a, a – a playoff beard in, in, in soccer. It's it doesn't point. work. You should shave your head. Good Try point. Do something, hey, let's all get together. Okay, shave all the hair off our bodies. So okay. if it's a close game, see, this is the kind of expertise, the kind of uh, football expertise we get from the big dog here. If it's a close game, hot day, last 15 minutes today, possibly look for Portugal to take over as the beard, keeping the heat inside might tire out the Czech Republic players. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be like 38 degrees in Poland, okay? It's freaking hot. That, that would be Celsius, coaches yeah. in Poland. Nothing <laughs> nothing worse than a beard in hot weather, too. Uh, well, there's a couple it's, things worse, it, but, yeah, a beard well, is definitely yeah, you're right. Gets I would say a burka would be even worse in hot weather. <laughs> some people's burka and some people's beard are one and the same. Uh, all right, so thank you very much. So you are predicting that the team scoring the most goals will most likely come out on top. Yes. No, no, I'm guaranteeing it. Wow. Wow, you are really stepping out these days, you know that? That's what I do here. All right, now one uh, item we have not talked about. I know it's not college football season. On the other hand, I do know that college football is amongst your favorite sports, if not right at the very pinnacle of the sports watching. And it looks like, Big Dog, after many and many years of contemplating, discussion, wishing, whatever it might be, it looks like we finally are going to have a four-team playoff. We don't know the details yet, but your thoughts as the conference commissioners have finally agreed to some version of a four-team collegiate playoff. They have just created – I'm glad that they're kind of doing it, but I just wish they would just go all in. Just give us eight teams. Give us the six major conference champions and two at-large teams, and I would be really, really happy at that. I would rather have 16, the 11 conference champions, five at-large teams. That would be ideal. They're starting with four. They will eventually be to eight and 16 faster yep. than you can know it, Coach. How fast do you think it is before they move to eight or 16? Yeah, it'll happen. It'll, how fast? They're going re- to realize with if you have eight or 16, you do 16, when you're leaving the 17th team out, 17th team out, you can be like, hey, you know what? You should have finished in the top 16. When you leave the fifth team out, someone's going to be extremely, extremely upset about. It. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. going to be a legitimate like, hey, why did that team? And then that that team that's number five that doesn't get in for some reason. But who knows? Maybe there's a number four team, but they still don't get in. And then they go and destroy somebody in the bowl and the and the fifth ring team who's the fourth team. They get in, they get blown out. Now there's controversy. There'll be eight teams so quick, or mm-hmm. or 16 teams. It'll be like the snap of a finger. It'll be before the championship game is played this year. They're going to be saying we need eight or 16 teams next season. Right. Now it sounds like you are a fan of it, and you've you've uh, desired for that to happen. But I also know you're a huge fan, a huge fan of the bowl season, the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. 
in particular, aren't you worried that it's going to affect the beauty, the tradition, the grand device of your beloved Rose Bowl? Uh, I have no problem if the Rose Bowl champion then gets to play in a game afterwards. You get to play in the Rose Bowl, folks. What, I mean, if, the, what if the Rose Bowl is not included in the semi? If for some reason they can't work it out the way that I have talked about them working out where the Rose Bowl is, no worse than a semifinal game, always in the top three I, games. I, I think you're going to be happy. From what I heard, you're going to be happy every other year. So we'll be left out of the semifinals yes. every once in a while. Well, every you other year. I, 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 could, I could understand that. So well, the, basically, the top, what are the six bowls? There should only be, like, the orange, the sugar, and the rose bowl. And the fiesta. Period. And they got to throw the fiesta bowl. That's ridiculous, Okay. First and foremost, the Fiesta Bowl is a newly, it's only 30 years old. It's not a traditional bowl. It was a money bowl. Somebody came in with a, dumped a backload of money at the NCAA and they said, hey, we're one of the major bowls now. And they're like, okay, yeah, you are. Really? Because you're in the middle of the desert. You created a bowl and all of a sudden it's a major bowl the next year. That, that, that's one of the, and then you find out that all these years it was mob run and they were money laundering and all types of issues. With the, that, that is ridiculous that the Fiesta Bowl is even included in this, okay? Because the people who've ran that are a bunch of mafioso criminals. <laughs> well, you, am I lying, Coach? It's true. These people are going to jail, what they've done with the Fiesta Bowl. And these are like the people who started it 30 years ago. I have always thought it was weird that the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the, like the, the Rose Bowl were on the same par with some bowl created in 1981 by some guy named Eight Finger Louie. Okay, that, I, I've never understood how they all of a sudden got a niche, a slice of the major bowl. Oh, yeah, the, the Fiesta Bowl is right on the level with the orange and the rose. It is? No, it's not. Not to anybody who's a true diehard college football fan. It is. We know it, that's a trumped-up BS bowl, and it does not belong in the semifinals or championship game just, just because of a bunch of guys throwing money at the NCAA. Just put out on our Facebook page, Big Dog Talking BCS. Are his opinions BS? Call in at 888-463-6748. Firing on Jerry Reinsdorf today. Firing on the Fiesta Bowl. Big Dog coming out firing. I think you're still having repercussions from the Italian sausage, Italian beef last night. I know how that can have a backed-up effect. But uh, at any well, the bottom line is you got four major bowls, and I think one of the things they got to work out, obviously, is you know which games are going to be more significant. I think, the, be it the Fiesta Bowl or another major bowl, you're going to have two of those games every year become basically like the semifinals. Yes. And, now, and then one game's a national champ, right. and one of those gets forced out. So my I question to you: Don't even let the Fiesta get in. Is my point. Okay, I, under, I understand your uh, your angst at the very least towards the Fiesta Bowl, but. What will that do, not only to the, let's say, the Rose Bowl in the off year, but to some of the other bowl games? How much is it going to denigrate the interest and excitement factor of the bowl? Maybe I'm overrating it, but will, will, it, will it knock down some of the interest of the other bowl games? You know what? I, I, I love these people, including you in this, who are worried about the Motor City Bowl when people yes. like you and those people that, oh, what about, they don't even watch those games, Okay. The people that are worried about, oh, this is going to take away from the little guy bowl. Well, guess what? Nobody's watching those games anyway except for me, and I'm going to continue to watch them whether there's a 16-team playoff and, yeah. or whether there's no playoff whatsoever, Coach. 
So that, that I, I just laugh when I hear it's going to take away. No, it's not going to take away. And uh, and you cannot make that argument to me unless you actually can tell me who actually like what conference <laughs> affiliations any of these small bulls have. If you can, then I'll, I'll give credence to yes. You have a right to be worried that a little bit of uh, uh, of glory yeah. is taken away from your bowl. I'm going to use my standard answer when you say that, and I'll say Jerry Manuel was a previous manager of the Chicago White Sox. That's not a bad <laughs> answer. Oh, good. Well, I don't. I kind of agree with. You. I don't think it'll affect the Motor City Bulls of the world, but I do think it will affect some of the other major bowl games, i.e., the Rose Bowl. When they don't have a semifinal game, I'm not saying it's going to destroy. And who knows? We, you got to wait till it happens. But I think it might take a little bit of the luster out of some of those bigger bowl games. No, no, no. You're exactly right. The one, if only the Fiesta Bowl is included in this, and you're talking about the semifinals and and championship game. Once every four years, the Rose or the Sugar or the Orange will be wrongfully out of no. the, the little tournament. Okay. Wait. That's not that bad. I I can deal with that. As much as that will bother me on that year that the Rose Bowl is now a non-consequential game in terms of national championships, I do know this. It's the greatest college football game played that season. And if there's a Big Ten team taking on a uh, Pac-10 team, if it doesn't have national championship implications, I will watch that game on uh, at 3.30 p.m. January 1st, like I always do, and I'll sit there and watch uh, Wisconsin try to ground it out against uh, a yeah. team that's going to pass the ball over. Yeah, I hear I you. I have no problem doing that, okay? I hear you. I think the part where it might lose a little bit of luster, I think if it just so happens that you're at the Pac-10 and the Big Ten do not have a top-four team, but you still have your conference champions going against each other, then I think you're all good. Where it might lose a chink, and I'm with you. I'll still be watching at 3.30, yeah, yeah. but... Yeah, if we if, have West Virginia taking on Louisville in a game that doesn't mean anything because they're like the, the eighth and the and the 12th best team in the country, well, and, and the USC is playing in the Orange Bowl, taking on Auburn, and Illinois is playing in the Sugar Bowl, taking on uh, you know Boston College in the semifinals. You lost me that one. You lost me on that one. I'm specifically talking about the Rose Bowl. Let's say Wisconsin is a top four team, national contender. So now I think that's exactly what I just explained to you. And well, then all of a sudden we have West Virginia, Louisville in the Rose Bowl. Well, and no, 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 not West Virginia, Louis. No, it's got to stay Big Ten, Pac Ten. Coach, not, what what happens if the, sec- the you top take four the, team? Is, that's the point. If you the take the next the best team. Is not in the, if it's not in the semifinal or whatever, and you have a top four team in uh, Big Ten and Pac-10 are top four teams, then you're going to have West Virginia and Louisville. No. So, yes, that's, that's exactly that's ridiculous. It should always be. It should always be the best that's of the Big Ten against the if, it, if one of the top four teams is Ohio State and USC, and the Rose Bowl is out. Is the, the year one of the four years that it's out once every four years? Then what ends up happening is you're right that Ohio State's taking on Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, and yeah, well, and the Orange Bowl will be USC taking on Oklahoma, okay. and just so oh they're going to take the Big East champion versus the the well, another major yeah, conference. That's... You know what I mean? And the ACC. So all of a sudden you have Boston College taking okay. on West Virginia. You in may the, be. Rose Bowl. You may be grammatically correct. Tech, I'm not going to deny that that uh, 
apparently that's the way it is, but that's wrong. That's I, not I the way it should okay. be. That, it that, should that. always be Big Ten, Pac-10. If the best Pac-10 team is not available, you take the next best Pac-10 team. It should do you always. realize this is what's holding up the whole entire process? Do you realize that the Pac-10 and the Big Ten have, that's the reason we haven't had a playoff system ever? Every year, that's, that's the well, way it comes down to that, where the Pac-10 and the Big Ten conferences refuse to give up the Rose Bowl, Coach. Yeah, well, it's not that hard of a concept. Well, we'll, okay, I, I, I agree we agree. You, we, we, I'm just letting you know we, we can never have a true national championship unless I, our conference, the Big Ten, agrees to give up the Rose Bowl. And it's No, and no, we, there's, there's no problem. Me. I'm a diehard Big Ten fan, but we eventually, if you want no. a true playoff, you have to say, all right, we don't automatically go to the Rose Bowl. No, you're missing and I know it's very difficult big for Big Ten fans. You Coach, are missing. You, you don't understand. You're missing that, the point. No, I'm, 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 you it's, don't it's, understand the point. It's okay? very easy from the Rose Bowl's position. Okay, hey, you know, every couple of years we will not have the semifinal game. We understand the best Pac-10, Big Ten team. If they're in the top four, they're going to go. Not a problem. Not a problem. The only difference is... And the years that we don't have the semifinal or the year if, if one of our top teams is taken, we are going to continue, and nobody else should have a problem with this. We are going to continue. The Rose Bowl is Big Ten versus Pac, and we'll take our next best Big Ten team, and we'll put them against the top Pac. That's the way the Rose Bowl will always stay. Why would other bowl teams have a – that's not going to affect oh, okay, the beast. Coach, 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 coach. Either the Rose Bowl is twenty seconds. I'm a part of the whole NCAA, okay, or 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 they're not going to be involved at all, okay. And if you have a champion from the ACC and a champion from the Big East, okay, and the best bowl available is the Rose Bowl, well, if the if the Big Ten and the Pac-10 teams are in the playoff format, who is the, the Rose Bowl is not bigger than NCAA football, coach. As much as they, if that's part of the deal, they have to be willing to acquiesce and be like, hey, the next best champions conquer. You can't just send the second place teams to the Rose Bowl, okay? It's the I, Rose Bowl. I and think as you much can. As it must, it's difficult for us. You're the man, oh, what's wrong with change? What's wrong with change? I, I'm either, gonna... either we, either the Big Ten and Pac 10 is willing to get into the playoff system. Or we keep the Rose Bowl uh, every I, single year. You figure it out. I disagree. Every once in a while is not that big of a deal. I it disagree with you. My disagreement will have to take place tomorrow. Big dog, go. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Later, maybe. <laughs> Two guys in a mic, talkzone.com, signing off 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.